Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. That is from Shakespeare's Macbeth. And what do we know about all our yesterdays? We know there were cavemen, and Neanderthals, and Cro-Magnon, and then Homo erectus, and then the Empire State Building, and then the iPhone. We used to know that there was Clovis first. We used to know that there were absolutely no real civilizations before 10,000 years ago, that Pluto was a planet, and that Columbus discovered America. Okay, because of where I'm going with this episode... I want to address the whole where are the tools debate associated with the pyramids with all very ancient structures really but I'll associate it with the pyramids I get it I get the dilemma and the debate I really do everybody has wants or needs an explanation right different disciplines and dogma will spin people different ways so will common sense according to these times loose-mindedness, logic, and simple contemplation. Maybe one of these theories is right. Maybe none of them is. I'll have a go. To theorize. I mentioned the Empire State Building earlier. This building is over-referenced in the Where Are the Tools discussion, but for a reason. It's an icon. I'll use it too. Okay. To theorize. If you went to the Empire State Building, you wouldn't find a riveter or a circular saw or a plumb bob, but what would you certainly find? You'd find squeegees, mops, and scrapers. You'd find maintenance tools. So, I am equating contemporary standards to ancient standards just a little bit here, which may not be fair, but I'm just spinning. If the dynastic Egyptians did build the pyramids, the mallets, copper chisels, and other copper utensils, which we have found, were just the maintenance tools for the pyramids, or some of those tools. Maybe they were related to maintenance of other structures on the plateau. Okay? At the Empire State Building, you would also find staplers, paper cutters, keyboards, conference phones, shredders, and a million other tools and utensils representative of the physical nature of the work which people do in the building. Now, I'm really just spinning off that idea. I don't think that people were using the interiors of the pyramids as masonry studios or factories. Okay, but you take my point. The location of the tools may very well be unimportant or immaterial. Hell, maybe contractors built the pyramids and took the tools with them when they left. Or, and perhaps this is really out there, it's something I've long contemplated, but in its own little box somewhere in my head, I will offer that in recent years I have found that the same thought has crossed the minds of various engineers and stone carvers. Maybe we need to be contemplating the amount of time which would be required for a construction crane to dissolve to dust. Okay, on to pounding spheres. There are ancient, mysterious stone spheres around the world, 
the concentrations of which I'm aware exist in Africa and Central America. However, people have discovered such spheres in other places as well. Today, I am going to focus on the stone spheres around the site of the unfinished obelisk in Aswan, Egypt. Okay, I apply this contemplation to spheres found elsewhere, though. Egyptian obelisks were obviously too massive for people to just push them around or to easily transport with any technology which most people associate with any era presumed to be the era of construction, okay? To me, solving the mystery of the spheres is only a matter of determining the fashion in which the creators made them. The use of these spheres seems relatively apparent, okay? Imagine this overhead view. You are looking down from a hot air balloon into a quarry in the Sahara Desert. You can see that within this quarry is an enormous obelisk, which people are cutting from the bedrock. You can see a black outline around the obelisk, which is actually the trench left by the people cutting it from the bedrock. Now zoom in. You're standing next to the trench. The trench is lined with U-shaped grooves side by side along its entirety, these grooves being inside the trench, beginning at the top, running down the sides, and across troughs at the bottom forming U's. Okay, it's a U-shaped trench all along its length. There's a bunch of stone spheres lying around. Let's just say that each sphere is the size of a small cantaloupe. All right, the operating theory is that laborers surrounded what would be the outline of the obelisk and pounded away with those spheres to cut the obelisk from the ground, leaving these grooves. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Maybe everything seems to fit. At what point did each laborer turn around and start digging from the top again on the other side of the trench? Or is it the case that each laborer pounded up one side of the trench from the bottom? Did each laborer pound a bit on one side of the trench and then on the other, back and forth, back and forth, <laughs> until reaching what was predetermined to be the appropriate depth? Curiouser and curiouser. Now, these aren't all perfect spheres. Maybe laborers did use them as pounder slash grinders, okay? But I kind of think that whether this was or was not the intended use for the stones, the stones were used as bearings to move obelisks from the quarry. This is what I've always seen in my mind. Two sets of twin track placed on ties. Picture a railroad track, but wider and with a second track running on each side, forming a slot. So, you have slots on ties. What goes in the slots? Between the rails? Bearings. Then you put whatever you want to on the track and employ a pushing or pulling technique to move it. Now, as for how they were going to get the thing onto the track, your guess is as good as mine. And... I understand that there may be a little problem here, where the heck is the track-wise? Because there's not one there. <laughs> but 
the theory is still reasonable and people may have moved the track upon abandoning the obelisk. They may have left the track and other people may have taken it piece by piece over time as we know people disassembled much of the work on the Giza Plateau. Or maybe if this site is truly megalithic, we need to go back to that eons and elements versus cranes type of thinking. Over how much time did the track decompose? I've had this theory about the bearings for years and years and years. I never heard anyone else express it. I am certain that people have done so, but I had never encountered it, right? I was recently watching a video about Egypt or the obelisk or the stones, and I heard a lecturer express the idea. As it turns out, had I been more studious, I would likely have found this a long time ago, the well-known gigantic statue of Peter the Great in Russia is actually carved from a block of stone that even the megalithic builders would have bowed to for its size, okay? You know how the people who moved the statue from Finland to Russia did so? They placed it on what was essentially a large railroad track with twin track on each side and cannonballs in the slots. They used poles to push the whole thing. So hey, maybe that's that, maybe not. Someday, a very long time from now, will stand people who know that all of their yesterdays led us to dusty death. Maybe they'll wonder where the tools are. <laughs>